With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, That Time When edition. Today, we are diving into that time when Roman Grosjean was given a race ban. Now, we are going all the way back to 2012 Belgian Grand Prix, where we had probably one of the biggest start line crashes. Start line? Turn one crashes yeah. uh, in Formula One history. Of course, Tom Bellingham, the WTF1 founder, alongside me, as always, to have Hello. a blast back to the past. Ten years ago, this was, Tommy. Oh, my God. Ten hell. years ago. <laughs> Good Lord. That's painful. Um, but yes, this was uh, quite the incident that did not uh, look favorably on Roman Grosjean, did it? Not at all. It was quite it kind of, could argue, maybe even loomed over him for a lot of his Formula One career. Uh, because he was a very quick driver, no doubt, but also had a bit of a reputation. Yeah, forget Verstappen being crash happy and being a bit of a dangerous driver back when he first joined. I mean, Roman Grosjean was another uh, level, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, was known as the not just being slightly dangerous, but having these these big crashes and, and first whatnot. lap bonds as well. Mm. I think the I actually saw an interview with him. We'll go into this now. Now you mention it, but uh, he mentioned to an interview that he did with the race actually that. After this incident, and then he also had a a first crash at Suzuka, a first lap crash at Suzuka, uh, Mark Webber labelled him a first lap nutcase, and he said that that stuck with him pretty much his whole career, uh, and he thought about it a lot. So, uh, wow, yeah, yeah, savage. Savage, but then maybe brutal. it helped him. Maybe it helped him on lap one from uh, from there on in after being uh, labelled it because he did calm down towards the uh, yeah. latter stages of his career uh, in Formula One. Um, but yeah, let's go back 10 years and uh, remember what F1 was like. And unlike a lot of our that time wins, it isn't Mercedes dominance. <laughs> it's Red no, Bull. Kind of. No, not this season, but I guess Nearly it's the, the era of Red Bull dominance. Yeah, yeah, Red Bull instead were the one uh, ones not dominating. Well, yeah, kind of dominating. Vettel won the last two uh, titles, but 2012 was epic. This wasn't a Mercedes. That's it between the two drivers. We had seven different winners in the first seven races, which is still an F1 record to this day. Yeah. And it was just something that we couldn't even keep up with. Was it? It was it amazing. Was, I mean, it was it was a st- the stuff of dreams, wasn't it? To have seven different winners, including Pastor Maldonado. <laughs> this was this will I don't think a season will ever top this, in my opinion. Um, I guess the only thing it was lacking was maybe at the end. Uh, there are a few dull races at the end when Vettel started dominating, perhaps, but then even the finale was incredible. So, yeah, this season was just unbelievable. And we'll go into how random it was because uh, it happens a lot in this race. But it was just it was just brilliant. Um, su- such a mixed order that we'll probably never see, unfortunately, again in F1. Now, I really come on, hope Tommy. We will. Don't write it off. You've just written off the rest of the future of Formula <laughs> One. Now, 2012, like we're going to uh, be uh, a thousand yeah. years from now. Nah, still 2012. Hopefully. Do you remember that? 
Amazing. Um, but yeah, so Vettel had won the last two titles, but it was Fernando Alonso who enjoyed a big championship lead going into Spa. Uh, and this was a season where Fernando Alonso truly showed himself as being oh, one word. of the greats, right? He was driving an absolute donkey to the front of uh, the championship fight. And he was just doing things in that car that not many people would have been able to. I will go here on record and say that no one else could have done what Alonso did in 2012. Um, I, I think, I, I don't think Alonso, you know, I wouldn't say he's the, he's up there for me, but I wouldn't say he's the absolute greatest. But in terms of being able to get a not particularly good car into some great results, there is no one better, in my opinion, especially Fernando Alonso in this era. Uh, I looked back, and his impressive it, this season is even more impressive than I remembered with him. It's probably the greatest per, uh, performance from a driver not to win a world title, in my opinion. Uh, if you look at the points going into this race, Fernando Alonso was dominating the championship in the, the fourth fastest car. Uh, Ferrari <laughs> were fourth in the constructors' championship. They had a hundred and eighty-nine points and were sat fourth in the Constructors' title. Alonso had 164 of them. It's it's insane. And that car... It was alongside was, Massa, wasn't it? It was. And yeah. Massa's no slouch. So, yeah, Alonso, 164 points. Weber was second on 124. Then it was Vettel on 122. Hamilton on 117. And Kimi Räikkönen on 116. So Alonso was dominating. at had a 40-point lead going into this Grand Prix. And he shouldn't have been there because it was a car that realistically were qualifying fifth, sixth uh, in most races. And then he'd just pick up uh, and deliver every point. And Red Bull had the odd off day. It did indeed. It did indeed. Um, And Ferrari, Alonso did not allow them to have too many off days. I think that was uh, (laughs) more to the point, wasn't it? Uh, And Ferrari, yeah, weren't maybe known as what they are today with uh, some of their blunders. Um, So let's look at qualifying then for Spa. And uh, many expected rain, as you always do around Spa, uh, having all of the seasons in one one day. But uh, there was no rain. Um, The 2012 randomness continued with Pastor Maldonado trying to thrust himself into the limelight once again, uh, where he topped Q1. Uh, Vettel got knocked out in Q2, and then Jensen Button took pole position uh, with Kamui Kobayashi on the front row in the Sauber. Uh, Maldonado had uh, got P3, but he had a penalty for impeding and qualifying. So, I mean, that just that just sums it up, doesn't it, really? I mean, you've <laughs> got season. Alonso leading the world title, but you've got Kamui Kobayashi on the front row of the grid in the Sauber in a dry qualifying. Right, let me just go through the top, the top well, you could you can go nowadays. It's used to realistically. You've kind of got the same teams a lot of the time. It's two by two, isn't it? You like two Red Bulls and two Ferraris and two Mercedes, whatever. Um, the order in qualifying, we just have to go through the whole thing because it's insane. So, Button in a McLaren fastest, Kobayashi second in a Salba, Maldonado third in a Williams, Raikkonen fourth in a Lotus, Perez was fifth in the Sauber, Alonso sixth in a Ferrari, Weber in the Red Bull seventh, Hamilton in a McLaren eighth, Lotus, Force India, Red Bull, Force India, Mercedes, Ferrari, Torosso, Williams, Mercedes. It's just it's literally Damn, like Mercedes they've shuffled. A bad day, right? It's like they shuffled the pack. If if you just I can't believe that's a dry qualifying session and that's the order. You could it looks like 
someone has just got the grid and just gone, oh, let's just let's, let's spin put Vettel, the wheel. Yeah, spin the wheel. Vettel, <laughs> you start P11. Uh, Maldonado, you're <laughs> third. And Mercedes um, had an absolute shocker. Like Michael Schumacher, where did he? Where did he, he was thirteenth. Uh, Nico Rosberg was eighteenth. Uh, and actually started oh, at the back because he had a five place grid drop for a grid, uh, uh, sorry, a gearbox change. So Mercedes, yeah, this was before uh, Hamilton went there, of course. Um, and they were decent. They won a race this year, but everyone did <laughs> because it was such an epic season. It really was. It really was. So uh, <laughs> to your eye. ahead of um, ahead of the race. Now, yes. I remember this. There was this was. You know, Twitter was, was very spicy. much, um, you know, in its early stages uh, compared to where it is now. Um, where imagine, Lewis Hamilton, imagine this happening now, by the way. <laughs> I know. Lewis Hamilton went on Twitter, and if I remember this correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, Tommy, but he posted data comparing himself and Jensen Button, essentially moaning that they weren't, they didn't have the same. Yeah. Machinery or he something? took he took a photo of the telemetry data and posted it on Twitter, and McLaren were absolutely fuming about it because that is private information. And wasn't uh, it you know, to say something to say as secret. to the reason he was slower as well, or something? He was trying yeah. to say like, yeah, Hamilton, uh, Jensen Button was on pole. Hamilton qualified uh, eighth, and Hamilton tweeted a picture of the telemetry data which showed that essentially with the setup Jensen had, who'd gone for uh, a different downforce setup, that Jensen was six tenths quicker on the straight, which I'm sure the teams were like, like fans and stuff would have known that anyway. And you know, it's just one of those races, but Hamilton obviously didn't take it particularly well. Uh, things weren't going well at McLaren at this point. If you If you think this is kind of the, towards the end of the 2012 season. So it's coming to the point where he decides to to move to Merck. And yeah, he uh, tweeted a picture of the telemetry data and basically said that, look, this is the reason why I'm seventh and my teammates on pole, which is quite savage. <laughs> so let me, let me dive into exactly what he posted. So the telemetry sheet not only contained traces of the two drivers laps showing where Hamilton was losing time to button. I think you can actually see 0.5 of a second lost on the straights there, 0.6 of a second lost on the straight there. So he was really quite upset with how much time he was losing on the straights, but not only this, but it had uh, information about the car's settings, including sensitive data, such as its ride height uh, and things like that. So to post that, I mean, McLaren basically came out and said he was asked to. T- uh, Martin Whitmarsh at the time, who was the team principal, said he was asked to take down uh, the telemetry tweet, uh, and he did it immediately. He misjudged the situation. All the other ones we didn't ask him to remove because I think there were other tweets that included bad language and things like that. It was literally just like someone ranting on Twitter, like forgetting they're an F one driver. Uh, it was he, wild. It was that can... era, wasn't it? Where I guess we didn't quite know the power of Twitter at the moment and not many drivers were on there and it was still fairly new uh, with this whole social media thing. So I guess Hamilton, yeah, it was a massive error of judgment. It really was. Um, and that apparently was the end of the matter. I'm sure Hamilton got an absolute bollocking <laughs> uh, for posting that, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, uh, he removed it all and uh, they moved on from it. The quote from Jensen Burton uh, after the, the tweet, 
and got asked about it. He said, the bit about him losing 0.6 seconds on the straight isn't the bit that's important to me because we should be gaining it back in the corners. He's got more downforce and was 0.8 seconds quicker in qualifying anyway. It's more the information that we worked so hard to keep secret and private that was the thing I didn't want to see on Twitter. Yeah, so, fair. That's a fair comment. Yeah, fair. Not too saucy. And but, yeah. Oh, my word. The, if this had happened in the days of F1 Twitter... Um, it is one of those is one of those things where oh it's insane it would be like the piastri drama would be straight yeah. on twitch going oh my god how was imagine, if, the telemetry imagine data. if it tweeted like at the start of the year like well actually no i'm running an experimental setup look at this <laughs> yeah. bit of telemetry this is why i'm slower than george or whatever yeah it is that equivalent isn't it so yeah yeah oh very days. interesting amazing stuff right so let's move to the race start now then and pastor maldonado <laughs> made the greatest jump start in history. Easily. Or not the greatest. No, not in history. I've seen some crazy ones in the past, like, you know, back in the old days. But I, uh, it's just, he's just gone so early. And my, yeah, my favorite thing about it, he started six and, and he was P2, basically. Mm. it is so early my favorite thing about it is you do see some jump starts don't you where someone goes too early and then they go oh no and they hit the brakes and you always think you're going to get a penalty just mate just go for it and maldonado does exactly that where (laughs) everyone starts you can actually pause the highlights at one point and um, maldonado has managed to go around a whole car and be driving forward through the middle of the pack before anyone's the lights have gone off it's absolutely superb. <laughs> like it, it is, it is unbelievable. Uh, honestly, he is just a legend. But He's the brilliant. thing is, he got served instant karma <laughs> uh, because Roman Grosjean uh, he chopped across Hamilton at the start, which caused Hamilton to be a passenger, really. Um, and it just, yeah, it was. Hamilton was on the inside, wasn't he? Like right on the inside. Grosjean comes across. And then tags him, and then there's no there's nowhere for him to go. No, and then all of a sudden, him. it's just carnage. Grosjean then obviously gets into a kind of a spin, doesn't he? Or, or kind of sideways, and then everything just kicks off from there. Uh, yeah, where... Hamilton's car gets essentially like caught on the back of Grosjean's. Um, so when Grosjean chops him, Hamilton's car gets lifted up slightly, and he's just kind of sat on. Grosjean's rear wing just pushing him down the straight and Hamilton's a passenger and that it's it's like a you know like a bowling ball going into some pins because the two cars are just careering towards that turn one and obviously everyone's slowing down and making a very slow right-hand corner um we've seen it a fair yeah. bit at Spa uh, we saw it obviously didn't we later in 2018 when with Charles Leclerc and Alonso uh, where Leclerc was very lucky with the with the halo, very similar incident. Mm. And um yeah, it can happen at Spa, but he was a Hamilton was a passenger uh, and was just yeah, careered into the side of multiple cars. Yeah, so it was so it was Hamilton. I'm just watching it back right now. So it was Hamilton that got sideways because of Grosjean pushing him, and then they and Hamilton's basically just attached to Grosjean's yeah. rear wing at that point. And then yeah, Fernando Alonso was an incredibly lucky man. Uh, with how that Lotus flew over the top of his Ferrari. Like that was, that must have been absolute. I mean, it, it would have been over in a flash in terms of Alonso seeing the car going over the top of him. So I'm sure 
Uh, he didn't have much time to react as a car went flying over the top of him. But the yeah, Tony Merritt play it is, is centimeters from his head, basically, mm. as as Grosjean's car flies over the top of him. And of course, uh, goes without saying, but if you didn't know, this is obviously the era without a halo as well. Um, probably yeah. worth mentioning. Um, so it's very scary. You watch Alonso's on board, and oh, it's. It makes you wince even now watching it because, yeah, he flies over, just misses Alonso's head. And Alonso is so lucky to escape without any major injury. He sat in the car for a while as well, which is quite scary because you don't know what's happened. Um, But thankfully, uh, there's nothing major. And Alonso ends up just with an injured shoulder, but nothing major. But in terms of the drama for him really is the fact that he's out the race. Yeah, exactly. So consistent. And that's what's let him to essentially be leading this championship uh, in crazy circumstances. Because in a crazy year where drivers were changing uh, who was winning and everything, Alonso was just so consistent and knew that just picking up points could help him win the title. And that's why he had a 40 point lead going into that. But yeah, it was very, very scary. Very scary. It crash. was very scary. I think um, you know Alonso, obviously, incredibly lucky that, and and I'm probably very happy to to walk away from that incident. You could also argue that that was probably the day that Alonso lost the world championship because you know that's a that's a huge, huge, a huge point swing yeah. point loss that uh, that he that he had. And I'm also watching, look, having, uh, having a look at the uh, Hamilton on board and just seeing just how far Maldonado got before the lights went out. Like he was an entire <laughs> car length past his grid box before the lights went out. I mean, that he's clearly risked it for a chocolate biscuit when it comes to the lights going out. And he's gone, yeah, they're going to go out now. And then just launched it and just gone. So, yeah, that's uh, another thing to to basically say why Maldonado is a legend, but he was out of the race. Uh, he, he was out of the race, wasn't he, as well? Or was he just uh, in Not spin? yet. Not yet. No. So, unfortunately, for the Saubers, who had had an unbelievable... Obviously, Kobayashi was on the front row. Yeah, Sergio Perez was P5. Kobayashi got smashed into the side of at the start. Yeah, uh, and Sergio Perez ended up getting caught up in it as well. So both Salbers uh, were basically out. Kobayashi carried on, uh, but had huge damage, and it just dropped him way down the order. So it's very much of what might have been for Salber with that mm. brilliant result, and they they did look very quick in in 2012. Uh, it's such a shame because it it ruined that. Um, Obviously, the the main thing was that Alonso and Hamilton, all the drivers involved, were okay. But uh, what was also disappointing uh, was the fact that it ruined that really crazy start uh, with where you had you wanted to see what Maldonado could do from P three, you wanted to see what Kobayashi could do from P two, and unfortunately, uh, they all got caught up in it. Indeed, um, and yeah, forget Bottas bowling from Hungary. Uh, this was. A lot worse. So, yeah, uh, after all of that, so we had, yeah, Grosjean chopped across Hamilton at the start. Hamilton was a passenger pushing Grosjean into turn one uh, into Perez and then over the top of Alonso's Ferrari. Perez's car also hit Maldonado into a spin. Um, and then, of course, I think as well, Kobayashi was in that. Um, yeah, he just got in the aftermath white. of that. Yeah. Um, there was no red flag, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Yeah. What, how was there no red flag? There was, what, five, six cars? stricken or broken and yeah they've got, no i think this is a safety car mate yeah 
they could go through. I know they could go through the pits and avoid it, but it's a red flag every day of the week, isn't it? Oh, Surprise. I mean, nowadays, Surprise. yeah, it's a big old red flag. Mm. Um, so yeah, Alonso and Hamilton were out. Grosjean had been involved in multiple crashes. Uh, so this wasn't the first time he had caused anything, as we kind of mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, and this was probably one too many. And we'll get into what happened to him afterwards, although I'm sure you've read the title. Uh, <laughs> and then... As you, as you mentioned, Kobayashi and Maldonado both received damage. And then there was the safety car restart. So lap four uh, behind the safety car. And the order was Button, Raikkonen, and then guess who was running P3 is what we've got down. So <laughs> are, are we guessing? Is this a game? Yeah, yeah it's a game. Oh, God. Who would be uh, running P3 in a crazy that's... race and not getting oh, a podium? Hulkenberg. Wow, so Hulkenberg uh, was third. Yeah, he actually gets up to second at one point in the race as well. Oh um, my god! Yeah, and the Red Bulls were tenth and eleventh at this point, uh, yeah. and Maldonado crashed out. Yeah. So what happened was Maldonado had jumped the start, then got hit into a spin in the in the chaos at the start, dropped all the way back to the pack, changed uh, everything, done a safety car. Uh, done his safety car restart and then just crashed into Timo Glock's uh, with a Virgin or Marussia at this point. Uh, Marussia, sorry. And um, I crashed into it anyway. Uh, so all his hard work had been undone. And there's actually a really funny moment, which for me is one of my favorite memories of Pastor Maldonado, just being a cult legend, where his car is stricken on the side of the track. He's lost his front wing. He's out the race, and then it just comes up with a graphic that says Maldonado under investigation for a jump start. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Maldonado thing. It's just isn't it? perfect. It's just absolutely <laughs> perfect. Oh, that's amazing. They've just got, yeah, roll the graphic. We, we've made it. Just roll it. Roll it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, uh, Maldonado doing Maldonado things and crashing out. Bless him. Uh, even though he had an amazing victory in that same year. Um, well, it, show, it shows that race actually that it wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. I know there's a lot of rumors that the car, that car was like illegal for that one race and stuff, but it did show that Maldonado could do insane things with him. You know, he he, he qualified third on the grid, topped Q1, and he was looking very quick in that race, but just was also past Maldonado and had those moments where he would just crash and or jump the start pretty much a whole light early. Yeah, it'd be one or the other, wouldn't it? Nowhere in yeah. between with Maldonado, no. either incredible or into somebody or into the wall. <laughs> um, so yeah, the race after that wasn't particularly exciting, was it? Um, fast forward, we had Button, who won the race easily, uh, completely unchallenged, really. Uh, then you had Vettel, who made his way brilliantly through the field from 10th all the way up to P2, which was obviously huge for the championship with Alonso out. Like, what a swing that is. Mm. Um, you also had Raikkonen an epic move i don't want to talk about it but <laughs> on michael schumacher at o rouge oh, actually. Right. Uh, and kimmy uh finished p3 <laughs> well, it was actually a rouge uh and then kimmy finished p3 and then p4 i'm gonna <laughs> it says guess who again so i'm gonna lock in with nico holkenberg finishing just two seconds off the podium it was yes but at this point he's probably thinking ah oh, what a lovely I'll get result, one P4. day. I'll yeah. get that podium. They're all patting him on the back. Come on, Nico. One day. Yeah. Never ever happened. I know. You must have just thought because because he 
qualified 11th as well and he wasn't really you think all the all the rivals have like smashed into each other at the start and yeah he was running well but didn't quite didn't quite get there on the podium how but did, i know he made a lot of mistakes but how did he not have one stroke of luck when he was running <laughs> in you know that so many yeah. times he finished seventh and why was there not one crazy race where he didn't rip off his suspension or something? Especially like we mentioned in in 2012, this this was the era where, like you say, Maldonado won. Mm. Uh, Sergio Perez, for example, was brilliant in the in the Saab. Remember getting a few podiums. Kobe actually got a podium this year. You just think, surely one of them. <laughs> surely yeah. one of them. Uh, but, it's insane, isn't yeah, it? it's mad a madness. So after the race, this is where it all gets very spicy. So Maldonado was given two five-place grid penalties because Maldonado. There's and... one for the jump start and then the second one for crashing into Glock. So he got two separate yeah. ones. Yeah. Which was justified and fair enough, I'd say. Yeah. And then Grosjean uh, was fined 50,000 euros and given a one-race ban at the Italian Grand Prix, which is huge. You don't Massive. ever see Formula One drivers banned. Uh, and the statement from the officials was, was quite strong. Uh, so they said... Uh, the stewards regard this incident as an extremely serious breach of the regulations, which had the potential to cause injury to others. It eliminated leading championship contenders from the race. The stewards note the team conceded the action of the driver was an extremely serious mistake and an error of judgment. Neither the team nor the driver made any submission in mitigation of penalty. That jargon so, at the end is basically saying that they they were like they okay fair it. enough yeah, yeah they definitely. didn't try and argue it they just said yep yeah, hands up Grosjean was a bit of a plonker uh so yeah I guess it poses the question was Grosjean's penalty too harsh absolutely not I think he deserved a penalty Ooh, interesting deserved a race ban I don't uh, think for he that. did do you not no I think I think it was I personally think knee jerk from the it, yeah because it was yeah. a scary incident because if you think yes it was it was extreme and it was a very stupid move to cut across but he could have just cut across in front of Hamilton and there'd have just been a bit of a crash and I, I personally think that one to say that it eliminated leading championship contenders we've always said that shouldn't really bring circumstance into mm-hmm. it for a start and two I think they just it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction of the fact that they saw this really scary incident and they're like they got the the ban hammer down immediately because if you think someone like George Russell, I, it wasn't quite a flat out. This was his fault, but in my opinion, the the Joe incident was a very scary crash, and Russell moved over and made a mistake, and it caused this crash. I don't think it's like no, he should be banned immediately. Um, it's not too dissimilar to that, in my opinion, and I think I think it was more the fact that it had caused this massive scary crash. People were really shocked by it. Um, Hamilton and Alonso both came out and were absolutely fuming about it and I guess their their word brings a lot of weight because they were title contenders um, and yeah I think it was maybe a bit too harsh um, but my god it was it was a big surprise it was it was shocking that you know to be banned from a race nowadays you've got to do it time and time again haven't you because they've introduced this penalty point system that will get you a race ban eventually that mm. no one to this point has has reached. Um but not in Formula One. Formula not two. In Formula have. One. Yeah, Formula Two we've had. But oh yeah, I think it's borderline too harsh for me. To, yeah, to I don't, out it, ban from a Grand Prix. But this wasn't his first 
rodeo was it he, no. he'd had incidents in the past and would continue to <laughs> exactly and and would continue to not it's not as if we can say yes he sat down and learned from his uh mistakes but at the same time i don't think there's much worse you could have done in order to get a race ban personally especially in 2012 where as you say we didn't have these penalty point stuff they very much had to decide and it's such a big incident that they had to they had to do something i think in my opinion to step in and be like well this cannot happen you can't do that you have to have more awareness like we speak about lance stroll's awareness like this was <laughs> on that level and beyond really yeah. with, with how he squeezed hamilton at the start like i mean what is he doing you <laughs> what you watch it and you're just going are you good? Do you know where the end of the track is? And, you know, and it was such a big crash and God forbid what would have, you know, if Alonso was injured or whatever, like it's, it's just, it's just very lucky that nothing extreme happened there. But no, I think he, he, he did deserve a penalty. Go and sit, go and sit at home and think about what you've done. You know what I mean? Like not for the whole season, but just one, one race. Go and think about it. Yeah, I guess it's uh it's harsh. We can agree to disagree on that one. But yeah. the funny thing is that, um, he came back from his race ban, had some time to think about what he did, and then he crashed into Mark Webber at turn <laughs> one at the Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, was that the next then, race that he raced? No, in? it wasn't the next no, race. Um, but then at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, uh, Grosjean was involved in another first lap incident. Um, and then at the Brazilian Grand Prix, Grosjean hit the back of De La Rosa's HRT in qualifying. So, um, yeah, still... Still caused the odd incident. And then, of course, when he went to Haas, he was um, known for a bit of argy-bargy with his teammate K-Mag. And now he's causing some controversy in IndyCar as well because uh, a lot of the drivers have spoken out about Grosjean's driving uh, quite savagely, actually. Really? Uh, particularly, what, what have uh, we got? Uh, let me find the quote from uh, Graham Rahal because Grosjean sort of... Um, yeah, Grosjean hit Rahal twice in a race, and um, Rahal said afterwards, I'm not going to play nice. This guy's overstayed his welcome. There was actually quite a funny thing with Marcus Ericsson. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter, but Grosjean got punted out of a race by Joseph Newgarden. I saw that incident. Yeah. And uh, Grosjean put some angry faces on uh, Twitter, and a lot of IndyCar drivers have been complaining that Grosjean essentially it's like karma because you do this to everyone else. And Marcus Ericsson replied to his tweet and said, "What goes around comes around," which is very savage. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, they don't um, they don't hold back in IndyCar. No, they don't. It's basically, think... basically the Hamilton telemetry tweet is basically <laughs> IndyCar. <laughs> IndyCar drivers, they just put it out there. They don't care, do they? They do not care whatsoever. I think that, I've seen that incident, and I think Joseph Newgarden was absolutely in the wrong for how he dealt with that, and there was no space for Grosjean on, on the outside, yeah. and he just ploughed into a wall at a street circuit. But either or, you know, uh, clearly they haven't been happy with with what how Grosjean's been been acting, and maybe it was a bit of a message uh, sent from from New Garden, but yeah. but either way, uh, this was yeah ten years on, and Grosjean's still making waves uh, for the wrong reasons. <laughs> uh, but there you go. That has been that time when Grosjean received a race ban. Hashtag WTF on podcast. If you want to send us your submissions uh, and any uh, thoughts about what you'd like us to talk about next, uh, thank you as always for listening and supporting this podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to bring you these uh, every single week, and uh, we'll see you very soon for another that time when. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Thumbs up again for audio. Oh, Why thumbs up I for the audio. Bye. Now we're waving. Bye, everyone. <laughs> it's just a trigger. <laughs>
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 